how can leaders shape the future through generative intelligence should we focus on problem solving or future shaping and how can leaders resolve the dilemma how can leaders create a thriving culture while the fluid workforce is becoming a new normal let's find out answers to all these questions while learning the nuances of generative leadership in today's episode from albana vrioni this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future friends i am your host navin samala just a fellow it professional but on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe and through the guiding voice we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and your career successful leaders across the globe share their knowledge and wisdom with the world through our platform and our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into the guiding voice for every minute than any other podcast in this space thank you so much for joining me and we are extremely pleased to have albana part of tgv's journey albana hearty welcome to the guiding voice i'm super pleased to have you join me today navin i am very delighted to be part of your show thank you very much for uh, inviting me albana like i was uh, going through your profile and you have got an impressive career so i would like you to share nuances of your career in terms of how it evolved into where you are today coaching executives across the globe yeah lovely well i am an executive and business coach uh, on change leadership and business transformation and another important part of my professional engagement is managing interim critical transitions that are associated with transformation of how the business is, uh, is organized and performs very many of those uh, Uh, let's say uh, interventions of mine are in the area of IT services. But to understand better my my background, I want to put uh, and my career journey. I want to put it in the right context. You know, I am Albanian by origin, and I grew up during the time of the end of the communist system in the Eastern Bloc, and so it was during those big transition times from where probably I followed up with with my passion on transition. and my dream was to become a brain surgeon i was fascinated by anything related to the brain but as i came from a family that was not very supportive to the system and the many other things that happened during that time it became clear to me that the only way that i could study my preferred subject was to have maximum grades in everything and so actually i did finish any school level with 10 out of 10 so the maximum possible but even that didn't help So when I finished my secondary school they said oh uh, you know um we don't have so many brilliant girls going into engineering there are plenty of them in in medicine so we want you to serve your country in, in as an engineer and that's what I did so finally I studied engineering but you know when you've got a passion somehow uh, you navigate through life to find back your your inner voice so um i um did finish my studies in engineering and i did have my the last year of my master in uh, in uk but when i was back finished that there was no industry anymore in albania because everything was upside down so thanks to my kind of analytical skills and knowledge of several languages uh, i was recruited in the um, um foreign affairs uh, i did an intensive study there i worked as a diplomat for a while and i pursued kind of a career into 
uh, or let's say additional studies into reinforcing my knowledge of European lobbying and international marketing strategy. Now, again, big changes happened in Albania. In the meanwhile, I became mother of the first child. And at the same time, on those big changes that happened in Albania, I lost my sole brother. And that was critical moments. I wasn't so sure that I wanted to uh, raise my, my, my child in the, such an unsafe environment. So when I had an opportunity to join a uh, European department in, uh, in an IT company in, in Belgium, I took that opportunity. I moved to Belgium and there I am since 40 years now, working in many different, um, um, uh, let's say, uh, roles uh, into helping different international organizations, uh, transforming their business through technology and through thought leadership. So um, then after working for, for quite a while within such big organizations, I wanted to create my own business. So I did, um, I did an MBA and I created my company uh, while uh, doing the MBA. And since then, actually, uh, since 2010, I run my uh, business transformation, consulting and coaching business here in Belgium. So that is a little bit what I've been doing throughout those years. Quite a diversified uh, career that you have crafted for. And um, I think you have gone through some interesting journey. And a couple of thoughts that uh, stuck to me, like you had that passion and you listened to the inner voice and uh, you possessed analytical skills and knowledge of several languages have helped you uh, to be successful in your career. Are there any other things that have contributed to your career growth? Well, in hindsight, in hindsight, when when I hear, when I look back at, at those years, and what I also promote now as I work with uh, with leaders um, that aspire to to lead their organization, to lead themselves towards building a better future, I can uh, can give three. Uh, particular things that have helped me and I see that they're greatly helping also all the people that I'm working with and, and supporting them in their leadership journey. And these are three, vision, envisioning your future, commitment and connecting. So vision is very interesting. I must say that I deeply believe that envisioning the future, having a vision of myself in a certain posture has given me tremendous courage and moral strength to overcome whatever came uh, came my way. Uh, so uh, I, I even remember that during those years when I was told, "Hey, you can't become a, a, a brain a doctor. You can't study medicine." I still envisaged myself as someone that wanted to do something special. So when I set, was set for engineering, I still put myself to say, "Okay, what is that next?" huge, big transformational project that I'm going to undertake. And, I mean, we were in my class, where Albania is a small country, of course, but in, in, in my year, we were 120 students. And out of those 120 students, we were just five students that were able to get to this, let's say, final selection for a scholarship outside Albania. And that was, as I said, despite all the difficulties throughout those years, it was that vision of being able to work on that major transformational project 
that allowed me to go through all those difficulties and to eventually have that that education finished with in beauty, if I can say it that way. The second one is commitment. And I can't I can't stress that enough. Being 110% committed, not 100%, 110% committed to what, what I've been undertaking has been for me a source of faith. I will get there, no matter what. I'll get there. A willpower and inner resilience, but also a kind of a preparation and a readiness and saying, what is this thing requiring me to become? All the changes I've gone through, I've studied and moved and worked in many different countries, and each of those needed to have some adaptation. I've given all that commitment, all that faith, all that willpower, and all that thinking, what is this moment asking me to become? And that has eventually helped me to go through, to finish whatever I've started. And the third one, as I said, is connection. Of course, I started my career in international relations in diplomacy, where everything is about relationship and connection. And I did happen to work with high officials, but people that were coming from very interesting background. For example, one of the people that I was working with, uh, so let me say it differently, I started that work uh, in the verge of big transformations and um, political changes in Albania. So one of the people that I started to work with, uh, he came out of long term, about more than 20 years of political imprisonment. So when I was working with him in that high political role, I was saying, where would this person find all this optimism, all this energy, all this can-do attitude um, after so many years of hardship? And for me, that has been a role model on understanding how people can find their inner, 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 uh, inner uh, sense, inner strength to overcome those difficulties and within a new context to operate with a tremendous force of setting connection in all the directions, not only with those that were in the same perspective, but winning over even those that were of a different perspective. So connections for me has been um, uh, one of those things that I inherited, or the importance of connections was one of those things that I inherited from the first job, and I learned its value as I moved along everything that I have done in, uh, in my life, everything that I have achieved in it. So envisage, commit, connect. These are the three things that I believe have helped me to get where I am now. Wow. Mind-blowing thoughts. Albana, I think you mentioned your entrepreneurial journey started in 2010, so which is like close yeah. to 12 years. And what are some toughest lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurial stint? Uh, that's that's a great question. There are many of them, <laughs> but if I have to select, if I have to select, I will start with um, mindset comes first. And we all struggle in our journeys to becoming something or to achieving something or to experiencing something. But I have learned that the struggle is not our enemy. Uh, failing to take control of our mental attitude towards the struggle is our enemy. So each time I had something great and uplifting uh, happening to me, something painful accompanied it. Um, so I mentioned to you, I 
my, my first baby was born, I became a mom for the first time. And when in six weeks' time, I understood I got the message that I had lost my sole brother uh, several months ago, but nobody told me about it. I had made interesting uh, investment in one direction and everything was going great. And I had big losses in another direction. So it felt like it was amazing. So every time I achieved something great, something else was happening. It's like, well, come on, what, what's going on? Why is that happening? In the beginning, I had a hard time to deal with it. But then with the time, I said, hold on, what is life throwing at me? And the answer was something to help me grow to the next level. So um, I would say that everyday adversary holds the seed to the next achievement. And for me, every constraint is an invitation or an opening to thinking creatively for a new situation and strengthening our willpower to realize it. So and with that comes that, uh, that ability to holding the space, to welcome the struggle or the adversity. And for me, that is a big challenge, but it's also the pivoting point of creating turning, uh, creating these these um, uh, possibility of turning challenges into what I call creative achievement. So mindset, as I said, comes first, and the struggle is not our enemy. That is one of the uh, lessons that I've learned, and the other one is necessity to avoid thinking in duality. It comes, it's a little bit uh, connected with the first one. I think we think sometimes into good and, uh, good and bad, right and wrong, black and white. Sometimes it's needed, but not always. And uh, fighting that inner tendency to, to be simplistic and thinks in terms of duality is something that is very helpful, very valuable uh, for whatever we want to achieve. And the third, the third, um, let's say, uh, tough lesson that I've learned is being intentional, being intentional in whatever we are engaging ourselves into, especially in networking and then in learning and then in undertaking. When we're jumping into something just because it's a good opportunity, just because it makes sense for now, uh, just because it seems attractive, we might be drawn into things at the very end, not only are uh, dragging down our energy uh, uh, and, and pushing us into uh, allocating the energy into unproductive lines of action uh, that eventually are not taking us uh, anywhere. Being intentional, envisioning where what 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 we are ta- what we're doing is going to take us has been one of the toughest lessons that I have had. Um, so I I hope I've learned through the years. Many a times when we go through that uh, journey, those kind of things uh, seem to be struggles. But once we look at the hindsight, things will be different, and uh, we treat them as lessons. So that is why I ask these questions because. Um, People talk a lot about what contributed to the success, but knowing the underlying struggles, right, will help us, will help others to be proactive and they can actually overcome certain challenges which are unforeseen. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So moving ahead and talking about the core of today's uh, conversation, I think you lead uh, a lot of insights around uh, generative leadership, right? So what is your advice? 
to the leaders how can they shape the future through this uh, generative intelligence and maybe you can start with what generative leadership in your opinion is yeah. and how can leaders yeah. develop that generative intelligence yeah yeah i think it's a little bit earlier that um as 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 humans we tend to um uh, to simplify things and to 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 work on a simplistic way because uh, well we want to make good use of 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 our, of our brain and of our operational system uh, but but the thing is that we live and operate in a continuum between simple and stable and complex and unstable so it, it's a continuum between uh, said differently between basic field of awareness and a generative field of awareness and on one side the continuum simple and stable in that continuum our rational and even our automatic thinking are good enough and our basic and rational field of awareness does the job but when our experiences our actions our decisions shift more towards complex and unstable then our primitive brain Uh, our rational and logical and sequential thinking are not enough and our awareness needs to upgrade to generative field of awareness so as to consider the impact that our decisions have on the system on the broader system that they impact and knowing that um that impact will have a, a reverberation back on us so whatever we are, we 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 in whatever way we are impacting the system out there that at a certain moment is going to come back on us and such kind of leadership a leadership that let's say um considers um how we are um, how our actions are in fact impacting first of all how they're valorizing the parts of the ecosystems that we are influencing um and how we are m- engaging the multiple intelligences uh, into uh, cutting the wiser decisions uh, is called generative leadership this kind of leadership is about guiding us towards uh, ours and and the others actually towards new and better futures through what i call creative achievement so it's an achievement that is innovative it's stable that is connecting but as i said that valorizes the whole ecosystem for me the purpose of living is or the purpose of a business if i can put it that way is to uplift our experience in in this world in this planet our living experience in in this uh, planet so and because i'm talking here in business terms and because uh, leaders that are are leading themselves and the workforce through through a business engagement be that in an entrepreneurial context or in a larger business context they are also targeting for creating a certain experience through the work of their people through the products or through services when they have got as a purpose to create an uplifting experience of the love of the life that we have in this in this in this planet they are more connected to all these multiple and systemic intelligences that allow us as human beings to to have uh, to have a wider range of awareness on how that systemic intelligence uh, influences us and how we influence it back 
So that is, in a nutshell, what goes into the uh, the essence of um, generative intelligence. And of course, such kind of leadership requires a conscious leader, a leader who continuously increases his level of awareness on how their decisions influence the environment and and what reverberation that environment has got back uh, on them and on, on the people that they're working with. So the continuous increase of leaders' level of consciousness is, in fact, facilitated by the generative intelligence. So and if, if I could go a little bit further into that, I, I wanted to take um, a deeper look on what we have been uh, ex- kind of experiencing recently. You know, the pandemic and the digital have proven that the the complexity of the challenges that the leaders and the organizations need to affront today cannot be faced by logic alone, by best practices or by the conventional leadership style, if we will. Because these volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous organizational reality requires leaders to bring the leadership out of each individual regarding the whole organization to rethink the future and to take responsibility for the effectiveness, not of one department, not of one team, but of the whole system. And there, of course, leaders are are experiencing three top hurdles to kind of transform their vision into the reality, their vision for the future, for for shaping the future into reality. They're facing many hurdles, but for me, three are essential. One is disengagement. Uh, I'm not talking only about their disengagement in in critical moments, uh, which is human, but also disengagement of their their teams and of their staff uh, and their difficulty to mobilize people along along those stretched goals that we uh, we as an, uh, that organizations and them as a leader are striving for and then the other hurdle is disconnection from significance and purpose they're, they're struggling with a mentality that uh, work is a means to pay bills or that there is uh, to the other extreme that there is no life outside work um, and especially for themselves because they're, 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 they're so much called in all the directions for achieving their, their purpose. And the third hurdle what I see is, and that's very important, the impoverished resourcefulness to imagine and realize aspired better future. And when I say aspired better future as compared to probable better futures, because let's face it, in the organizational reality, uh, most of the times uh, leaders and especially executives will go for what is most probable to realize. And that comes to the expense of what is, let's say, that people aspire more, what is the thing to strive for, something that we we, we would all aspire, it's not so probable, probably, but it's a thing to go for, a thing that is going to shape the future. And I think that those, when leaders are capable to, to address those three hurdles, they will be a better uh, able to shape, to shape the future. So disengagement, disconnection, and impoverished resourcefulness to imagine and to realize these, these inspired uh, better futures. Now, Thanks to uh, neuroscience of leadership and neurobiology research, there is now growing awareness that logic, emotion, and intuition are all involved 
in the process of decision making. So it's not logic involved uh, only. And for some times we have been talking, emotion is also important, but it's not logic and emotion uh, only. Intuition is also very important. And that intuition is taking us to that additional field of intelligence because we talk about um, rational intelligence, we talk about emotional intelligence, but we talk very little about spiritual and systemic intelligence, system intelligence. And for me, that is what generative intelligence brings into the play, into the game of the future, of the, of the leader uh, that is going to shape the future. So, as I said, it is clear now that solutions to technical problems lie in the head. And resolving them requires intellect and logic. But solutions to adaptive and transformational problems that we're uh, experiencing today, uh, these, these problems which relate to complex situations, lie in the stomach and in the heart and rely in changing people's beliefs, their ways of working and their ways of life. So, and that's where generative intelligence also comes in. So, for me, to succeed in withstanding complex situations and adaptive challenge, leaders would benefit from cultivating that kind of intelligence that connects their cognitive minds to systemic intelligence in ways that facilitate the emergence of novel solutions and development of higher level capacities like resilience, stamina, genius, altogether favoring future fitness. And so this kind of intelligence is what I call generative intelligence. Wow. This, this covers uh, almost all aspects and uh, going through these nuances would help leaders succeed in leading people and achieve their business outcomes. So, so powerful. Yeah. Now, moving to the next question. Recently, I interviewed uh, Nick Donofria, Executive Vice President, retired from IBM. Or he says, in his words, he says, graduated from IBM. And he shared one powerful message and uh, that resonated with me a lot. And it ties to uh, the topic as well. What he says is uh, the leaders in future are not measured by what uh, they are doing currently or what problems they are solving currently, but rather how they are reacting to things that they don't know about. Right. So this brings me yeah. to my next question about problem solving versus future shaping. So how can yeah. leaders resolve this dilemma? Interesting. We're talking about dilemmas and, and you know, dilemmas are in themselves a manifestation of duality in things, of duality in the perspective. So we think in terms of yes or no, right or wrong, black or white. And as I said earlier, some situations may need one of those opposing answers. So do I submit the tender? Yes or no. Do I, uh, am I pregnant? Yes or no. Um, do I, uh, do I uh, submit the report today? Yes or no. Things like that. But um, so problem solving versus future shaping becomes a dilemma when we perceive scarcity of resources and conflict of priorities um, into whatever we're doing, into our undertaking, and the logical thinking is not sufficient to cut a wise decision. And so 
uh, of course, it becomes clear that uh, to to get out of that duality of that di- di- duality of thinking and uh, of that dilemma is to rethink. Okay, that scarcity of resources and that conflict of priorities. How can it be resolved? So, and then I would say there are probably three or four things that come to my mind. Um, first is to understand where where we are in the continuum between future takers and future shapers, because. In each of us, there is a future taken and a future shaper. Uh, so, uh, or, or said differently, where we are in the continuum between being a manager and being a leader, knowing that in each of us, there needs to be a manager and there needs to be a leader. But it's just that awareness of where we are in that continuum that is very important to understand how are we going to fight the beast. Uh, as I said, that scarcity, the sense of scarcity and that uh, unknown, uh, in the sense of conflict of priorities. So, it is crucial to have a good understanding of what it means to be uh, in a problem-solving mode and what it means to be in a future-shaping mode. So what are the mindsets and the skill set associated with both modes? Knowing that, for example, problem-solving is related more to the management mindset, while future-shaping is related more to the leadership mindset. And so knowing where we are, helps us to understand, okay, what is that situation asking more of me at that moment? And say, where do I have to make that shift? So, um, and for a given situation, we need to understand what are the conflicting parts. So, as I said earlier, having a dilemma is not a problem. It is our relationship to the conflicting priorities uh, or to the perceived scarcity of of one resource or another that actually are our problem. So one important resource in in, in question in this dilemma is our understanding of where we are in the continuum managing leading and how conscious and agile we are to shift what is needed. So that is where I would uh, advise anyone to start with raising that awareness and then taking what's needed to to increase their agility into shifting to what is needed. And of course, as I said, it is a clear difference between a management mindset and a leadership mindset, knowing that management skills uh, that comes, the, the, both of them are associated with management skills and leadership skills. As I said we need both, but just not in the same mix in all, in any situation. And the second element that I'm thinking that uh, helps leaders to get, um, uh, to resolve the dilemma is, and that's very important, holding generative conversation. So when, when we operate in this uh, continuum consciously, we also become more, more conscious on what kind of conversations are influencing our state of being and our mindset. You know, uh, generative conversations uh, are conversations that are focusing on what is, let's say, the broader net or the, the, the all the impossible solution that we might be thinking of to get to our aspired situations. So we don't start with a problem. So what is the problem? What caused the problem? How can we fix the problem? If we start with the idea, how do I fix the problem? I get stuck in the problem before I can go any further. But when I go from the perspective, 
what is possible? What do I aspire to get out of that situation? What is the best that I can get out of it? The brain uh, starts figuring out the pathways to get us there. And the conversations that we hold with the people are more towards what we aspire. And, and, and because they are more into what we aspire, and we know from, from neuroscience now, there are different areas in our brain that are being activated. And those areas are related with creative problem solving. And when we are in a creative problem solving, we are also a lot more open to connect and to kind of accept to be more into sharing and exchanging and finding from A and B, not what is in the middle, not what is a compromise, but the, the, the solution C, which is probably totally different from the A and B. And so this is what the generative conversations are. So if people want to get out of the dilemma of between problem solving and future shaping, they need to think not in the terms of problem A, a or B, but start from from what is the aspire situation, and there they're definitely going to go into uh, solutions that have probably never thought of. Mm-hmm. And the third element uh, is developing what I call the entrepreneurial leader of self. Uh, now, that term probably is very well known to entrepreneurs, and in the organizations, I think the most appropriate term would be uh, developing the intrapreneurship because you are members of the organizations. Um, and of course, uh, within organizations, we always um, operate within a, the, the, the boundaries, or let's say, of what defines an organization, the, the purpose of that organization, uh, and, and what is the, 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 re- the reason of being of that organization. Uh, so both developing the, the entrepreneurial leader of self and that uh, intrapreneurship um, uh, spirit go in the same direction. So for me, that is very important. Um, there is no way of getting outside of the dilemma without developing uh, this uh, entrepreneurial leader of self. The workforce um, is changing and is changing uh, rapidly. And I believe that gone are the days when you would have a lifetime job within a company or a certain career path. With a fluid workforce, people are more and more needing to design their jobs. And certainly within organization or industry context, but uh, more uh, also into, um, in a way that is boundless, that is not um, refrained by the boundaries of an organization. And if you cannot design your job, you stagnate. And if you do not develop an idea uh, on what your job is about, uh, what your effort is going to yield as a result, I mean, I would say, I would say, how can you ever imagine how your work is going to affect others and how can you make an, a positive impact is impossible. So things go have got a hierarchy of evolution and of impact. And so uh, it has to start with people developing that uh, entrepreneurial leader self and designing uh, their own job, designing what they want to become. And then they will be able to make that uh, that future-shaping impact uh, outside them. So co- comprehensive notes on uh, those two aspects in terms of dealing with the uh, duality. And this is so helpful. Now, uh, slightly switching gears and uh, talking about a different topic around executive coaching, like you have been coaching real big business leaders across the globe. 
So I'm really curious to understand what are some common trends that you have observed while coaching those executives. Yeah, it's true that the um, executive and the business coaching is, uh, in fact, is 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 also changing. Like like everything else, it's changing and it's reshaping itself. For example, one of the things that I see now is that we don't have any more like sessions that have got a fixed hour. Sometimes we've got sessions that would go two hours, but sometimes we've got sessions that are only twenty minutes. And whatever we have to discuss is what matters now. Uh, building, of course, towards a future vision of what the leader is, is intending to become, but very much uh, focusing on what matters now, uh, on what, what the leader is challenging. So it is that, that flexibility. But what I also see is that, at least myself, I'm focusing more and more into an integrated development. And uh, I see that with all the, um, the, the, the coaches that are into their, their, their way of mastery, we're focusing more into developing the whole leader, not just developing a couple of skills uh, of, of the leader as they might be um, very imminent at a certain moment that the coach is being um, being hired for but actually developing the whole leader. I think that is where I have started, but I see that that's becoming now a trend. And I'm quite happy with that because um, what we see is, and uh, that is also a second trend, is that there is a wider acceptance of working on the inner game. Initially, most of the work on executive leadership was on how the leader could do better in uh, areas that were mostly related with the outer game of leadership, how we do better in getting that and that done. Now, a lot of conversations goes into the inner game and there is a wider acceptance, a, a wider, I would say, better readiness of leaders to um, to go into that direction. And I would say just a little bit connected with what said earlier, there is also a uh, kind of increased understanding from the leaders that there is a difference between managing and and leading and that they are a lot more uh, prepared to understand that they, it is for them to develop that agility and that awareness of where they are in that continuum and where do they have to shift to understand what is the call on that, what is the call for me in that particular moment? You see, I work very often with um, leaders that are very often in transversal roles. By very nature of my work, that I am into managing critical transitions. So those leaders work uh, into into um, missions that go cross organization, and they get a cross a, a transversal. A, cross-organization function of leadership, which goes beyond the authority that they might have in a certain area. And because it goes beyond their authority, they understand that they have to make sense themselves on what that particular call is asking out of them. And so I see that there is a lot more, let's say, readiness and openness from, from the leaders to work to work on that um, on that direction. So these are the, the main trends that I see, good evolutions in any case. Change for better. And uh, yeah, I think... Change for better, <laughs> absolutely. Wonderful. So this has been great conversation uh, so far, Albana. And let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round wherein you can answer these questions in a word or two. If you are ready, absolutely. <laughs> ready for it. <laughs> All right. So let me find the first bullet. What was your childhood fantasy? 
<laughs> that fantasy of mine was riding on the back of a Pegasus. And it's very, very interesting because many years back and just before I would have my first child, I had uh, the same, the same dream that for me was very revealing. And he said, that's very interesting. After uh, kind of 20 years, I would, was having the same fantasy on my dreams. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, and I feel that now with with quite quite some engagement that I'm doing, sometimes it feels like I'm I'm leaving that that fantasy of my childhood. <laughs> wow, very interesting. <laughs> Moving <laughs> to the next one, what is one best piece of advice that you have received from someone? I've had several of them in different moments of life, and they've been all very very helpful for me. As, as I said to you, I've been blessed with working with very special people. But there is one that stands out. And that has been from the same person that hired me in that company. And he became my mentor. And when he left, I remember back then, I had just working, I was working on a white paper that was called in- Intellectual Capital from the Lenses of Value Creation. It was a very interesting white paper. And then when he left, he said to me, Albana, remember that. Don't do something just for the intellectual reason of it. And that rang a bell to me. Each time I go into some intellectual reasoning uh, into whatever I do, I remember to add some pragmatic spice to it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been one of the best, one of the best advices uh, that has helped me from since then. Indeed, indeed. Because apparently I've got a little bit of the tendency of being intellectual on my thinking. Maybe that's why I, I, I was so attracted by, by generative intelligence, ah. that it just took me outside of that r- rational and intellectual reason. Can you describe yourself in just one word? If it is just one word, it will be generative. <laughs> Spot on. Moving to the next one. What kind of superpower do you wish to have given a chance? Teletransportation. Early <laughs> transportation. You know, um, yeah. when I when I lost my brother, the day that I lost my brother, that night actually, he he lo- he, he he passed away sometime around two o'clock in the morning. He was in Albania and I was in Norway, and I had that very strange uh, dream, and I saw everything happening in in, in my dream. And I woke up in the morning and I started, of course, crying. And everybody, because I was pregnant at that time, reassured me that everything was fine. And I wish now I had that superpower of teletransportation to have been there at those difficult moments of saying him goodbye and being there for my parents. That's the superpower that I wish I could have. Yeah, like I listened to you and I think it was the toughest situation and definitely this technology would have come yeah. handy. Yeah, moving to the last one from the rapid fire. What is one electronic gadget that you like to see or invent yourself? Feeding one's <laughs> mind. <laughs> okay. no. I, I wouldn't dare go so far and saying reading one's soul, but at least just getting somewhere closer to those patterns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, before uh, we go to the final question, I have one um, surprise question to you about Albania. Is there anything special that you'd like to share about Albania with our audience? Oh, what I can say is that um, Albania is it's, it's, it's a European name for um, a local name that is uh, called, translated in English, the country of eagles. 
And I hold Albanians as um, survivors, uh, as very bright people, and with an enormous intelligence, which are also deeply and greatly and profoundly misused. It's a beautiful country, offers a lot. So uh, I would say God has been very, very uh, abandoned with what it has offered to, to that country in terms of landscape, in terms of everything, everything you can find in that country. I wish it can, Albanians can become a bit more, as I say, generative in their approach and be better in envisaging the future, committing to it, and being better at connecting to their allies and building alliances that hold the times throughout the, the, the history. No, it, it makes me uh, to plan a visit to Albania. And I'm <laughs> Absolutely. It's a must-see must country yeah. and a must-experience uh, culture. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And one thing is for sure, you eat so great in Albania. And the beaches are wonderful. And the mountains are superb. Mm, Awesome. (laughs) All right. So that that was great uh, conversation so far. And before I let you go, one final question for today's conversation, Albana. What will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers or lives? You can pick either of them. I would say being intentional. Because if you do not know where you're going, there is no map that is going to take you there. And with that goes to letting your imagination take you to to that place first. Win your winner game within you before you can strive to win it out there. Remember that mindset comes first. That I think is a help me and hopefully is going to help many people out there. Thank you so much, uh, Albana, for joining me today and sharing your powerful insights. And this has been extremely useful conversation. And I'm sure our audience are going to benefit a lot. Thank you so much for your time. Nadine, thank you so much for shaking the mic with me. And uh-huh. um, I hope that um, uh, the audiences indeed can make good use of uh, whatever I managed to share from my journey. Absolutely. It would be helpful. And it was delight to host you. Namaste. All right. So, folks, before uh, we get into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this conversation and found the episode useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. All right. Now, let's cruise into the trivia segment of today's episode. Today, we had an excellent conversation with Albana Brioni on generative leadership and also we touched a few aspects of how the future of workforce is going to look like and how generative intelligence is going to help us today i'm going to talk a bit about uh, future and you know uh, there is a prediction that the us and russia will be connected by an underground highway sounds fascinating right so as per a blog from a website named factinet what it is mentioned is people crossed the Bering Land Bridge between Russia and Alaska during the last ice age. But ever since, it's been covered by miles and miles of ocean. And in 1959, Closer Than You Think predicted that an enormous underwater highway would be built to cross the distance, allowing Americans to take their cars rather than planes or ships to Asia and Europe. So we have to look forward for those days where this underground 
bridge would be built between these two, uh, these two countries, which will definitely reduce the travel time and also people can actually drive through. That's all for today. And uh, in case uh, if you have any speaker suggestions or topic recommendations, feel free to reach out to me through social media or email me at thegirdingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Friends, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode.